Hello everyone, this is Latasha Blanton from the Real South Africa Travel and Tourism. And you're gonna have the opportunity to travel with Phil Scott to... Sunny South Africa. You guys are gonna have the opportunity to come to Johannesburg and you guys are gonna be coming to Durban. And we're gonna set it up perfectly. It's gonna be like a luxury experience for you guys. At the same time, you're gonna be getting some culture. And of course, you're gonna get an opportunity to talk to Phil, hang out with Phil, and get his views on Africa and South Africa. You're also going to get an opportunity to explore the lifestyles here that are available in South Africa. And we're going to do all that for you in an amazing 10 days. We do hope that you go to the website and book because we do look forward to seeing you here. Absolutely. Our website is therealsouthafrica.com. Go there, scroll down. You'll see a picture of Phil and just go ahead and book there. So we'll see you here in what we like to call sunny, sunny South, South Africa. Africa. this one thing that the South African Foreign Affairs Minister will always do is she will say to hell with the West. Literally. And you know recently she was speaking and she called them out. She said we see your double standard. We see your hypocrisy. First of all Western media is so so biased and she was talking about how when it comes to coverage some people get fair coverage others get biased coverage and others get no coverage at all. They're tears to citizens and how they deserve coverage. She goes on to say that the West is always holding Africans to unrealistic standards that they themselves do not even hold. And then when Africa is unable to adhere to these unattainable standards, they shift the blame. They say, oh, you see, you see, we tried, but you can't do it. Look at you Africans, it's all your fault. And then they absolve themselves of any blame. Why is it all right for a Palestinian journalist to be murdered, but it's not okay for a journalist from Canada to be murdered. What, what kind of value system is that? We've been silent about Shireen Abu Akleh. She was murdered, murdered before our eyes. The media today, since the period of the embeddedness of Iraq, totally without objectivity, except Al Jazeera. That's the only one. The rest, I'm sorry. But you need to be active proponents of an objective media that informs, that is balanced, and that tells the truth. Not a media that lies and tells you a quarter of the story. So we've got to address all these things. Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our conversations. My name is Ndira Ganga. It's always a pleasure to come on here and have conversations with you guys about Black people, Africans, our empowerment, and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. If you're just joining us, you can always connect with me on social media at Ndira Ganga on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody that watches the videos and reaches back out to me and just shares their feedback on the videos that we're sharing. It's very important to know that the message is getting out there and people resonating with it. Also, I just want to say thank you to everybody that said my hair looked great in the previous video. Thank you so much. That's my natural hair. I barely wear it natural because currently we're in the rainy season, but when I can and when work and other things allow, 
I will always wear it like that. It's amazing to know that um, this is an online community of people that accept you for who you are and your authenticity, everything that comes with it, my kinky hair, also there and not trying to hold us to unattainable Western beauty standards. Now let's get into today's video. I want to talk about South Africa's um, Foreign Affairs Minister, Naledi Willis. And I like the fact that every time that she's given a microphone to speak, you can count on her to raise issues that are always important to people. Um, most recently, um, we are seeing the fighting between Israel and Palestine because of, of an attack um, that was perpetrated by Hamas at a music festival. And, you know, when you watch the coverage, when you watch the coverage, you just, you can see that the media is leaning on one side. You know, if something happens to children and women on one side, it's highly highlighted. If it ha the same thing happens to women and children on the other side, nobody is paying a lot of attention to it. And this is nothing new. I'm not going to get into the details, but this is nothing new. It happens to us on the African continent, you know. Um, the kind of coverage that we get, if any, is poverty, disease, and, you know, just, just, it's a play, it's a dark continent. That's the coverage that Africa has gotten over the years. And we barely see objective coverage. And that's why YouTubers are cropping up and starting to show, to do series, the Africa you don't see on television. And I think that the media has always been very biased towards the West. It's also important to know that most of these global media houses are in the global West and they're owned by these people. So they are likely to tell their own story. And I think that also reiterates the importance of why Africans and black people need their own media and their own representation. Shout out to Africa Diaspora News Channel. Because you know that this is a place where you can come, there are black people, they are Africans, and they're covering our stories, good or bad, in a very objective way through our lens. And she was calling that out and saying, what is good for the goose is good for the gander, right? And this, this, this bias treatment goes on it extends outside of the media or beyond the media. We see Western powers trying to hold Africa to extremely high and unattainable standards, you know, um, when it comes to things like elections, when it comes to politics, when it comes to law, when it comes to human rights, when it comes to healthcare, they dictate who you are, what you should do, at what time, where, when, why, how, they are on top of everything. I remember, um, sorry for the shake, I remember, um, I was really young, but I remember seeing those campaigns, um, abstinence from sex um, to prevent HIV. And then now that I'm grown, I realized that this was a campaign that was actually funded by the West. They were like, you have HIV problem, but this is how we're going to go about it. This is the campaign that we're funding, you know. Um, and they've always dictated what you're going to do. If, if they give you their money or if you want any form of relationships, then you play by their rules. And this is nothing new. It's a, the same has applied when it comes to things like abortion. The same has applied to, to things like LGBTQ. You know, they're all, they, the Western countries are still having discrimination problems in their own countries, but they want Africa to jump through so many hoops to just streamline. Why? You're struggling with representation at your home, with human rights at your home, with inclusion at your home. And now is when we're beginning to see American companies get to an inclusive space. It's it's also, it's not new, but it's fairly new. The inclusivity conversation is fairly new and they're adapting around it. 
and they don't understand that this is a fairly new conversation in Africa. Give us time to wrap our heads around it, then we can get to the inclusivity part. No, if you don't do it, we're freezing you out. And this is the double standard that she's calling us. She's saying, if you cannot hold yourself to those standards, do not try to impose that same standard on Africa. And if you can hold yourselves to those standards, understand that you have had the time to wrap your head around these standards and create systems and structures that can allow you to operate at that frequency and allow Africa the grace to catch up. And I begin by saying, one of the things we must realize is the developing South is caught in the middle of rising global tensions. I know it is not correct to speak of the South as though it's a homogenous entity. But from my experience, I can say to you, it is the region that most hopefully has the basis and foundation for the kind of radical shift we need. So I look to countries of the South, not the North. And I think it's important that we do that. What we are seeing in the world is an increasing pushback against the forces that seek to promote collective action, international solidarity, and global cooperation. We see the re-emergence of tendencies toward right-wing nationalism, unilateralism, and populism as an ongoing trend. Comrades, another assignment, engage the media. Why is it all right for a Palestinian journalist to be murdered, but it's not okay for a journalist from Canada to be murdered. What, what kind of value system is that? We've been silent about Shireen Abu Akleh. She was murdered, murdered before our eyes. The media today, since the period of the embeddedness of Iraq, totally without objectivity, except Al Jazeera. That's the only one. The rest, I'm sorry. But you need to be active proponents of an objective media that informs, that is balanced, and that tells the truth. Not a media that lies and tells you a quarter of the story. So we've got to address all these things. Another thing that the West has always done is absolve themselves of any blame from all the problems that they have caused on the African continent. We saw this during the Africa Climate Summit where the American envoy outrightly said that America is not going to pay. You cannot force us to pay for civil damages. Um, you cannot introduce punitive measures and expect America to adhere. Okay, let us break this down. Outside of China, America is the second largest um, emitter of greenhouse gases into the environment, right? Um, America is out here industrializing at a very fast pace, and they're doing this with little to no regard of the environment. Yet, when we ask you to do your due diligence, you can't have your cake and eat it. If you're damaging the environment, you have to pay up because America has the funding and it has the technology to be able to protect it, itself or rather to adapt and mitigate from the climate change effect that comes from the emissions. But there are countries in Africa that cannot. I'm currently in Rwanda and in April, yeah, right just before I came, there was heavy rainfall and there was a landslide. And this is because of climate change. At least 100 people lost their lives 
property was damaged. The northern region where there was the landslide is the food basket of the country. And so the agricultural output is going to be affected. Food security is affected. In what world aren't you supposed to pay for your mistakes? What we see in the globe today is widening inequality. And we know that the economy of the globe continues to deliver inequitable and unjust outcomes. Developed countries have selectively opted out of the observance of international law while they continue to insist that rules must be implemented by developing countries, even at the cost of providing services to their people. Just last year, Ghana was facing an incredible financial meltdown. They approached the IMF. And this year, the IMF has suddenly reported that Ghana is going to see amazing growth after they received loans from the IMF. But nobody is examining, do the children of Ghana have classrooms? Do they have teachers in those classrooms? Are they able to go to hospital and get treatment? Are the people of Ghana getting housing? Because the first target of IMF loans is public services. So it's important that we look not just at what support is provided, but at the quid pro quos that governments have to make in order to have access to that funding. Developed countries have certainly not met their commitments to the developing world and are consistently shifting responsibility to us in the global south. You must address climate change. You must stop using coal. You must reduce emissions. You must do A, B, and C. We've developed. They had thousands of years to develop. And in a short space of time, we must arrest our development and respond to their demands. I'm not saying coal is what we should use. I'm not saying we shouldn't reduce emission. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying the kinds of demands being made on developing countries without appropriate resource responses are actually demands that are unconscionable. So what this has led to is it's become increasingly difficult to pursue sustainable development goals. We saw this year that the Secretary General of the United Nations has in indicated that far from moving in a positive fashion, the world is actually going backwards. We now have more poverty, more inequity, more joblessness. So the fundamental crises of our time call for international responses in our view. If we accept that the world is increasingly more fragmented, it provides an opportunity for those concerned with economic justice, yourselves, to work toward creating a genuinely progressive alternative. Progressive forces around the world need to push for multipolarity and a strengthened, fairer, and more inclusive multilateralism 
by exerting more influence on global debates. Well, guys, thank you very much for watching. That's all we had for you in this episode of our conversations. My name is Sandira Ganga. I will see you again in the next video. Comment down below what you make of the sentiments by the South African Foreign Affairs Minister, and I'll see you again next time.